0: Time Lord, I'm Daniel Levine, and until I started this podcast, I had never watched a single episode of Doctor Who, and then giving in to my friend's behest, I sat down and, oh, ho, ho, do I want to kick my old self for not having done this sooner. And this week, I'm going to talk about Fear Her, a very uh spooky episode, and I, I need some help on this one. I need a, a good point of view, and so I reached back to quite possibly one of my favorite guest hosts last series, and that is Jamie Kern. Hello Hello, welcome back to the show.
1: Thank you. I'm excited.
0: How have you been keeping up with? Uh, have you gone back since the last episode and started watching the the series, or I, uh, did you right go right back to watching the new episodes?
1: No, I totally did. I it inspired me to keep watching, so I I'm a little further ahead than you are because I don't have any self control. So I I binged the old episodes, you know, several at a time. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how you watch one at a time. It would drive me crazy. But uh, you're a better it, man than I. It <laughs>
0: it, it has been uh, brought up and asked of me uh, a couple of times. And I honestly have to say, I while it is difficult in a world where binging has become a thing, it is difficult not to want to just say, yes, go to the next episode. Uh, but at the same time, because I spend so much time with each episode, I feel like I'm really getting the most out of every viewing because I end up watching – the episode multiple times to get ready for the recording and then I share it and watch it with my family again uh, and because there's only so many episodes that I get to watch I end up going back and rewatching some of the episodes again uh, and so I, I really feel like I get the most out of it uh, so I'm kind of enjoying it you know it, it's It feels better than just sitting down and watching Queen's Gambit over the weekend, you know?
1: Yeah, totally. Totally. I wish that I had had, you know, the opportunity to talk about every single episode the first time that I watched it. So, I mean, kudos to you for having the idea
0: it it's been uh, it, it's been the thing that has made me the happiest uh so let's jump right into this episode because uh, as i said earlier we're talking about fear her which is uh kind of a creepy episode uh so if you haven't watched it uh or you haven't seen it in a while and want to refresh your memory before listening to the podcast now is the time uh, otherwise we're gonna jump right in and um this is this is one of those you know. David Tennant has a much lighter approach to his being a doctor than uh, Eccleston, and you know there's there's definitely a lighter comedic air to a lot of his, um, especially like uh, uh, the first appearance, the the first time we see him on screen for every episode. Uh, it, it's almost like. They're trying to clear the air. Whatever happened last week or whatever you just watched, we're going to clear the air and start you off with a joke or something that's going to make you smile. Yeah. And in this episode, you know, it starts really intensely with this lady talking about kids disappearing, and, you know, that's not a fun topic. And then you see the doctor have the TARDIS land between two sea containers and have to re-adjust like re-park the TARDIS <laughs> such,
1: such a simple visual effect but it's so funny it's just, you wouldn't think about it you know I would never think about oh what would happen if he accidentally parked it the wrong way oh he just has to go back and turn it around just like if you right? hard or too close to something but so simple but so funny
0: and like he's like, oh, he goes in, it disappears, it reappears, and he's like, oh, perfect. Now you know right. it's just this has clearly wonderful. happened to him
1: before. This is clearly <laughs> not right. This is not the first and time. The-
0: and that—that's the thing that you know, because we've saw uh, uh, actually in uh, in one of the episodes uh, we talked about in Aliens of London, he lands the TARDIS inside of the hospital in that little room. And I've always wondered, it's like, how does he manage to always land it so that he can get out?
1: Yeah, he doesn't.
0: And finally, <laughs> right? Finally, we see. He's like, eh, sometimes he gets lucky.
1: Totally. Totally.
0: Um, but uh, you know, once again, uh immediately jumping in to the action as seems to be the want with uh with the uh, tenants uh run as well. Uh he, you know, everybody else is worried. Everybody else has got this concerned look in their in their face, and he's wandering around like, it's cold, ooh, and he finds the spot where the kid disappeared and he's like, ooh, it tingles. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, he's kind of oblivious at of, of first. He's very sort of head in the clouds, not paying attention.
0: Yeah, like it, it. It's been a couple of weeks, you know. Uh, a couple of weeks back uh, with the uh, the episode uh, "Idiots Lantern," where again, you know, town is bereft by something going wrong, and everybody's concerned and scowly. And the doctor's like walking around, going, "Ooh, what's going on, guys? Right. Let <laughs> right. me help you." You know, right. the only time he really gets like into it and angry and upset is when they, you know, they go after Rose. Right. Uh, and in, in this entire episode you know the mom is super concerned even rose looks worried and the doctor's just like okay just talk to me okay what's going on oh you know like i i love the the approach he has because it makes something uh as sort of dark and nefarious and this episode kind of deals with some very interesting dark issues and yet here he is like lightly walking through it like you know it's okay everybody it's okay
1: yeah, I mean, you kind of have to have that lighter side if you're going to deal with these dark issues in a show that's meant for families, right? So you have mm-hmm. to have you have to have somebody who is going to bring a little bit of joy um, when you're going to talk about something that's so dark.
0: Right. And then, like I said, this the, the, there's definitely some darkness to this episode. Um, but jumping into my first question, um, because I'm watching this out of time, uh, they land in the year 2012, which is technically the future when the episode aired. Is that correct?
1: Correct. Correct. I believe I want to say this was in 2005, I think. Uh, when this series happened. So it was, you know, near future, but the future.
0: Yeah, because Rose says the near future. Uh, I just wasn't sure, like, what we, you know, what we're talking about, because to us, 2012 is, of course, the past. Right. Um,
1: <laughs> right. It's like uh, we're so, time traveling.
0: Exactly. So <laughs> the it, it must have aired then shortly after they had won the the, you know, the, each the city bit. competes to be, yeah, the, the, thank you, the bit. Um, uh, cause I, you know, I, again, I, I didn't watch it at the, at that time. Um, but it's interesting that they tie it to the Olympics. Uh, and I, I was trying to figure out throughout the entire episode, like, why are the Olympics important? Because at this point, if I've learned anything is that if something is in the show, it means something. <laughs> You yeah. know, yeah, like generally. with Idiot's Lantern, you know, the it's the Queen's coronation. It means this is the first time that people, you know, millions of people tuned in to watch something on television. Uh, there, there's a meaning behind it. And so it had to mean something. Right. Um, so outside of, you know, what we see, which is the the embodiment of hope, uh, was there a deeper me- meaning to the Doctor Who uh mythos that well, I'm missing.
1: I don't know necessarily to the to the doctor who overall but to the episode, you know, it was an opportunity where there were going to be a whole lot of people in one place for um the what are they called the Isolus for the Isolus to to try to take all of those people. So it was you know that was an opportunity, I think. And then just the heat of the flame. Um so I think I don't know that it necessarily is anything bigger in Doctor Who per se but it was certainly important to the episode itself.
0: Yeah, and I I liked how it got tied in because again, I, the moment I saw it I was like okay what what what's something's going to happen is an alien carrying the torch or you know is the, is the doctor going to have to use the TARDIS in some way shape or form um and you know as goofy as it was to watch the doctor run that torch up the stairs and light the uh light the fire uh was kind of a cool moment
1: Yeah. So fun fact, after this episode aired, because, you know, it aired in 2005, like I said, um, there were many years in between that and the actual Olympics. So apparently after this episode aired, it spurred, like, all the Doctor Who fans wanting David Tennant to actually carry the torch. So... They, uh, yeah. So there was like a big movement for that to happen. And he was apparently like, well, I'm game. I'll do it. Um, and it, it didn't happen. He didn't get to. But my understanding is that Matt Smith, who be, is the next doctor that you'll see in a, in a couple series, um, that he did get to carry the torch for a short time period. He, he didn't light the big torch at the end. But you know how they have people carry uh-huh. infections. So it was it became a big movement. And they, you know, really, really wanted the doctor to carry the torch. And apparently he did
0: and he did that's cool cuz I, I i was going to say i don't remember uh david Tennant running into the stadium uh when it actually happened nope. but that's kind of neat <laughs> that uh that it led to a real moment uh a real life moment of the doctor being a part of the celebration
1: the fans were like hey that's a great idea
0: <laughs> uh it's I mean, out of all the things like, that the, they did, a whole thing about you know the the British uh, healthcare system, they, they could have because uh, I I remember the uh, the opening ceremony and the, they had the kids dancing on the bed and and everything. You're like, they could have done a Doctor Who now, right? now that I think about it. Right, that's one of the big things they, that that could have been part of the. But you know, let's take let's jump on our TARDIS and go back and and talk to the team that produced that event because right. they should have definitely done that
1: <laughs> missed an opportunity for sure
0: um but I, I like um, there, there's a moment in this episode you know going back to talking about uh, just the lightness that the doctor brings um there's a moment where he looks at the the, the mom of, of the little girl
1: who are you I'm help. Yeah,
0: and I think it's the first time where he's actually said that. Like he usually says, "I, I, I you know, I, I'm the doctor," or you know, like it, it's a little less direct. Um, but like just the way he said that, it yeah, there was a the, there was that moment that I felt really like good about it. Like I don't know why.
1: Yeah, it's intense, right? But and he he looks her right in the eyes and it's like he's trying to make her understand that you know, I I am here to help you. I am the only one who can probably help you and I know you're afraid, but that's what I'm going to fix, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like it- and you know, as as a parent, the idea that you can't help your child is scary enough. Right, uh, but to know that you know there, there's a history there, uh, so there there's extra compounded uh, worry. Uh, you know, you you dream of somebody being able to walk into you into your life and say, "I'm help." Yeah. I'm the per like nobody anybody else that has ever talked to you is you know means well I'm the one that can actually make it happen and and to have that like it, I I don't know it just it sends shivers down my spine when he said it
1: yeah it gives me goosebumps to talk about it that that moment is just so intense and so pure uh
0: and and you know for him to be there uh it, it's really interesting because when he first talks to the girl Um, there's, there's a little bit of, uh, that, that weird sci-fi thing that happens where he talks to the girl and we get all this exposition and then they leave the room to talk about what just happened to then go back into the room to talk to the girl again. And you're like, couldn't you just like, while the girl is still there, just turn around and be like, Hey, so does this happen all the time? You know, what happened with the dad? Like the whole conversation that takes place in the kitchen. After he puts her to sleep, could have happened in the in the in the room. Yeah, like, but, uh,
1: but if that had happened in the room, then we wouldn't have that great moment where he starts eating marmalade with his fingers out of the jar in the stranger's <laughs> kitchen. <laughs>
0: Which that okay that is true that 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 moment uh makes that scene I, I guess if we needed to have that scene is, is there a thing I know he has a thing for bananas because he's brought him up now a couple of times but what's up with the jam I don't I don't or the think marmalade
1: a, I don't think it's a thing it's just, it's just a it's just another example of like the doctor. He has boundaries for other people, but he doesn't have boundaries for himself, right? And so that's mm-hmm. part of what Rose is there for, because she makes that face like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, um, but his, his boundaries definitely do not extend to himself until somebody tells him, <laughs> hey, you're crossing a line.
0: Well, it, you know, it's that nice, gentle reminder that while he does look human, he is not of you know of, yeah. of this world, and so certain customs just wouldn't you know, yeah, register with him. And being polite and <laughs> not eating somebody else's food with, with your fingers, fingers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I I could totally see that. That's a that's a very uh, alien thing to do. Yes, um, but you know, in 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 the conversation about the girl, we get this very dark history about her father uh and you know it's sort of trickled out uh as the story moves along but the idea that her father passed away but that he was clearly not a good person and as it comes out uh through the exposition that he was clearly abusive uh and to create so there. You know, there's like a couple of ticking bombs in this episode. You know, there's the idea that all these kids have been taken away uh, and, you know, unchecked this thing and pretty much swallow up into this alternate dimension, everybody on earth. And then at the same time, there's that ticking bomb of this weird demonic manifestation of, you know, this abusive father. Yeah. You know that that's that's a heavy, heavy thing to deal with, and I thought the episode kind of handled it, it with you know with a light touch, uh, and certainly it gives the victory to the the mom and the girl, uh, which was very necessary, but it, it it felt almost anticlimactic. Like it felt like that confrontation could have been a little more, uh, like the mom and and. and per- Particularly, the mom needed to own up a little bit more of that moment to give the girl the power to cast that evil away. Sure,
1: sure. Well, one of the frames to put this in is to know that um, Russell T. Davies, who is the showrunner, told the writer to write this episode for his seven-year-old son. He wanted this episode to be for children, So I Mm. think that in part, part of the reason why it maybe didn't have a bigger climax, why there wasn't something even more frightening that happened um, was because it was it was the episode was meant for kids. Right. Um, Mm. And maybe that's part of why all the power didn't go to Chloe, because, you know, there's some for a kid. There's definitely something something comforting about your parent having a power too, right? So in that Uh, moment at the end, they sing together. They overcome that moment together, Um, and I think that speaks also to overcoming the loneliness that Chloe had felt. Right for the first time, her mom was in it with her. There's a a uh moment in the episode where Rose says, "You know, did you talk to her about this?" And her mom says, "I didn't want to." You know, I didn't want to. And that's why she's so lonely because she didn't, you know, her mom didn't want to talk to her about this horrible thing that had happened. Um, so I think that there's a little bit of power in the fact that they overcome it together in the end.
0: The, there's definitely a, a very, it, it ended the way it needed to uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, I just felt like uh, in, you know, just, Putting it in the context of the show, um, there could have they could have given Chloe and her mom a little more uh, opportunity to show the the strength that it took um, to sing that song in the face of that evil, uh, as opposed to just kind of being there, pressed up against the door. Like I don't know, I felt like they needed to kind of stand up and really show that they stood up. To that presence and that their togetherness, their, you know, their not being alone uh, was the power that ultimately uh, vanquished him. Um, You know, I I think the symbolic of that, the symbolism, I should say, of that would have been a little more powerful if they they had stood up. Um, And that's why I meant like it, it felt a little anticlimactic in that. The way they they beat him is just as you described, but the the perception could have been a little stronger. Um, yeah. But, I mean, talk about, you know, here's a sci-fi show and it's dealing with the idea of abuse and what it does to children and what it does to parents. Uh, and like you mentioned, it, it has... Uh, rose sort of address it with the mom and rose who's supposed to be this you know teenager you know almost uh you know she's like 18 19 at this point and to have that already that world weariness that you know wealth of uh sort of sentiment uh speaks volumes to who rose is and how you know human she really is and how connected she is
1: yeah well and remember rose lost her father at a really young age just like this little girl lost her father Mm -hmm. at a really young age now the difference was that you know rose's father wasn't abusive but still there's there's probably a, a, a little feeling of kinship there in that you know, she kind of understands a little of something about what this girl has gone through because she went through it mm-hmm. herself. She feels for her. The empathy that she has for her is very, very real.
0: Well, yeah, she she even does that with, uh, with the kid in uh, Idiot's Lantern. You know, he the, that that dad was clearly not a great dad. But as he's walking away, Rose kind of tells the kid, you know, you only get one dad. Go. Yeah yeah you know like i understanding that he's not a great man, but you know kid go be the bigger person, so uh you know it really does show how much of a heart she has uh and how you know it, again for a nineteen year old to be able to look at a mom and say did did you talk to her about this? You need to talk to her about it right. uh you know uh, it it just seemed like uh, another moment that really shows you how amazingly strong this character is uh, and, you know, how amazingly lucky the Doctor is to have somebody that is that aware of, you know, the human qualities.
1: Right. Well, and this is Rose's episode, if you really think about it. Rose is the one who sees that something is wrong in the first place the doctors you know got his head in clouds he's talking about the olympics and rose is the one who notices that children are going missing rose Mm -hmm. is the one who figures out that it's chloe weber who's doing it rose is the one who saves them by throwing the pod into the fire rose is the one who um, saves chloe and her mother in the end like Mm -hmm. this Episode really shows that Rose is she holds her own and she's not just a companion she's really kind of the doctor's other half right like she's really oh, yeah she's not just a traveler she's really important to what's happening and i think you really really get that in this episode and you know the doctor becomes incapacitated and really the only thing that the doctor really solves is when he you know in the drawing points to the (laughs) you know what i mean so pointing uh, to
0: the yeah, to the torch
1: to the torch yeah i almost said lantern and i'm like that's the wrong word um pointing to the torch <laughs> that's kind of the only thing that the doctor does you know he deduces a few things but really when it comes to moving the story along in this one it's rose so i think this episode well, is it, really important for her
0: and he even draws attention to that when they're in in the tardis after analyzing the thing
1: Go girl what Something about her gave me the creeps. Even her own
0: mum looks scared of her. Are you deducting? I
1: think I am. Yes, I love that. You know, moment.
0: Because she, she, she really is the one that is kind of solving uh, the, the the mystery for them. Um, and and I love uh, you know that moment where she's chasing after the torch because uh, as she's running down the street, it made me think she kind of runs like Phoebe a little bit
1: oh my gosh that's so funny <laughs> she totally does <laughs>
0: <laughs> right because she kind of has the the arms kind of flailing on the side she doesn't have like a yes. uh, and it, it i only noticed it because they have like a professional runner they're running with the torch and then you see her and she's like so open and free like running down trying to chase it down and i was like it's phoebe it's british that's, phoebe
1: that's hilarious you're so right you're so right
0: um but going going back to the doctor they do have a conversation in which um you know she she stops him and asks him uh to repeat himself but uh as the doctor wants to do he he does not and he keeps going but he says the words i was a dad once
1: what did she say yeah surprise what
0: the heck
1: (laughs) surprise. Yeah, that's it. So
0: there's a little baby doctor out there that's, you know, like 400 years old and not 900.
1: And let's unpack how awkward the way he said that was, right? Like most people, even if, even if you have a child that passes away or whatever, you wouldn't say I was a dad once you would say I'm a dad, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a very strange way of wording it. I was a dad once. What does that mean? Does that mean mm. that you were a dad to a a child? You were a dad to a puppy? Like, what are we talking about here? What are we
0: talking yeah. about? Here? <laughs> we talking yeah, canine about? doesn't count. Right,
1: exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and, you know, it's certainly something that we haven't seen. Is it something that they see in one of the, you know, old, old, old episodes of Doctor Who? I don't know because I haven't watched all of the old episodes. Um I do know that we'll see something of a little bit of an explanation later. Um, okay. But in that moment, it's a what? What? <laughs>
0: yeah, it, it's definitely a head scratcher. Um, it, it And of course, uh, as I was thinking about it, I'm like, well, let's see. The show started in the 60s and the 70s, um, which would have been right around the time where there were a lot of son of, right? There sure. was Godzilla and then there was Son of Godzilla and there was Kong and there was Son of Kong. So of course the doctor would have, you know, sure. Son of the Doctor.
1: Son of Doctor, right?
0: <laughs> um so it, it, I kind of immediately saw like a, a cheesy 1970s poster with a Tardis saying Son of Doctor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um Okay, so it will be something that will get further explored. We're just not going to find out so, any more about it Sort
1: now. of. Sort of. That's I, there, I'm not going to give you a good explanation. I'll just say sort of. Sure.
0: That, that makes sense. That's why I saved that question for last, because I figured it would be one of those. Um, so... Other than, uh, that, that was my last question. Did I miss anything? Was there anything else in this episode that's going to come back in future and uh, I'm going to regret not having noticed it?
1: No, nothing that, I don't think there's anything that's going to come back in the future. There's just um, a few one-liners that I think are really important. Um, one is when Rose says to the road repair guy, it's "Tougher than I look honest. And boy, issue.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
1: Right. Right. So it's sort of funny because, you know, she's just talking about pushing the car with him. But, you know, we know we know what that Uh guy doesn't know. Like she has saved all of time and space. She's way tougher than she looks, buddy.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. And the things she's looked into and not shied away from, you know, would make that guy blush.
1: Totally. And um, oh, and speaking of that guy, that guy and the mother, Trish, are both in Love Actually. Uh, the movie I, actually- I recognize mm-hmm. both of them. <laughs> yeah, so if if your listeners recognize them, that's where they're recognizing them from. Um, the Doctor has one of my favorite, most ridiculous throwaway lines in this episode when he says, "Look at the hairs in the back of my manly hairy hand," which I just think <laughs> is the funniest thing. Like, what a random thing to say! I just think it's the funniest thing.
0: That that felt that moment absolutely felt like what I keep saying, you know, the, the, the tenant approach to the doctor, which is to say these things in such a way that you absolutely believe that's exactly what this character would say at this moment. Yep. Like, of course, that's what he would say. It is ridiculous and it's very funny. And it was one of the moments that I actually laughed out loud while watching this episode, but it's such a David Tennant, like I can't see Eccleston pulling that line off. No, no. you know, oh. I just, I can't see, I, I, I can see Eccleston trying to pull that line off, uh, you know, cause he had some weird lines, you know, air from my lungs. Uh, yeah. You know, he seemed to pull out of nowhere, but it, Tennant just sells that line uh, in a way that I, I, I absolutely it's hilarious it's such a funny moment
1: so funny and such a throwaway they just keep moving and she doesn't acknowledge it at all <laughs>
0: <laughs> well cuz he's been doing that for a little bit you know he whenever he talks about himself he he's certainly more cocky in this yes. uh Uh, you know, incantation uh, than he seemed to be in in the past because he's talked about his body or the way he looks or his weight. Uh, So it's, it's definitely keeping within the character they've been creating.
1: Yes. Um, I can't believe you haven't mentioned the Vulcan salute.
0: I mean, I, I've talked so much about Star Trek lately <laughs> in this <laughs> podcast. I, I had that whole, like, I, you know, feeling like the Borg were kind of like the Cybermen, you know. I But yeah, he does the, the Vulcan salute and she re- reciprocates.
1: Totally. I mean, but like, this is a straight up Star Trek reference. This isn't even just like, a, oh, this feels like this is a very clear... Oh yeah, we, we are outright referencing another show, right? Which I just it was funny, and obviously Chloe knows it too, or at least she can figure out how to do it. You know,
0: right? I and I love how hers had like her pinky tucked in, yeah, which is usually the thing you do when you can't quite get it. Yes, uh, yeah. so I I I loved, uh, and, and that was a nice moment for them to connect too. That was a nice way of for the doctor to talk to her without talking down to her, which I loved.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's good at that, right? Like he's good at talking to children and, and creatures and beings without talking down to them because he sees the, the value in everybody. I mean, this episode mm-hmm. is another really good example of very seldom is the bad guy the bad guy in doctor who mm-hmm. right with a few exceptions like the daleks are always bad they're always going to be bad The Cybermen, <laughs> they're always bad right but even they have their moments um right sometimes. right
0: they, they have a little bit of humanity and yeah. you know they have a little bit of a ting that you know makes them more than just a one-dimensional villain
1: right but for the most part you know the doctor approaches everything in that well this thing is probably not trying to be a bad guy. So we just have to figure out what's wrong and then we can fix it. And this is another great example of it. Not only is this not a bad guy, it's a child. It's a child Mm -hmm. within a child. Right. And so he just has to figure that out, but he just values, you know, everybody and everything in the universe so much.
0: Um, And their place, like he, he genuinely cares about the place in the universe for both of these both of these children
1: mm-hmm.
0: the 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 little seedling and chloe mm-hmm,
1: exactly even though the even though the isolos are doing something that's really bad <laughs> you know he knows that it's not coming from a place of malice and in fact it's clearly coming from a place of wanting love and wanting mm-hmm. to not be alone and he understands that
0: um, yeah I, I really do appreciate how the only time the doctor seems to talk down to people is when he's talking to Mickey, or <laughs> when he's like joshing Rose. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, when he approaches people, even Chloe, he approaches people with that that wonder that you know benefit of the doubt, like you just said, yeah. that really makes him. Uh, just this very endearing representation of the doctor. I, I, I really do like uh, his portrayal. Yeah. I, I like this doctor. This I, I feel like this doctor and I could hang out.
1: Yeah, he quite tends, easily. <laughs> he tends not to talk down to people unless they've made him angry. Once right. once you've made the doctor angry, all bets are off, right?
0: <laughs> then- oh yeah, like as soon as you get the angry arched eyebrows, yes. you know you know things are going down.
1: Yes, like exactly.
0: this is going down, right. and he's not gonna. You are not gonna see the nice, you know, Mister Nice Guy anymore.
1: Exactly, and he is gonna talk down to you and and make you feel real stupid because <laughs> he's mad.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, he's gonna tell you this is this is a as far as you're going to go or I'm the, the final authority on things. Like mm-hmm. he's, he puts on those big boy pants when he needs to. <laughs> yes.
1: yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but
0: you know, I, it, it's great.
1: There's another line that the doctor says, and, and there's, a, he says, there's a lot of things you need to get across this universe. Warp drive wormhole refractors. You know anything you need most of all? You need a hand to hold. Which then he has that really cute moment where Rose is trying to point at something and he thinks that she's, you know, trying to hold his hand. But Mm -hmm. um, but that's kind of an important thing for the doctor, right? Because there have definitely been times where he's been alone and where he said he doesn't need anybody with him. But then he's right there saying, you need a hand to hold to get across the universe. So I think that that is something... That's something that's good just to remember about the doctor in general. Even when he thinks that he doesn't need anybody, deep down, he knows. He knows that he needs to travel with somebody. He knows that he needs a companion, that he needs somebody with him, that that is what you need to get across the universe.
0: Well, yeah. Later in the episode, he says, you know, uh, I know what it's like to travel, you know, throughout the universe by yourself. Mm Mm-hmm and there's a there, there's definitely a sadness in the way he says that mm-hmm. you know it's very quick and fleeting uh but it, it's there so yeah i i saw i picked up on that and uh, that was a very tender uh sweet moment mm-hmm. uh that once again it's you know sort of played with levity um but i i i definitely uh, particularly with this doctor i i feel that relationship you know there was a moment in a school reunion Where for at least for me, it clicked that, you know, Rose is not the first one. Uh, And, you know, he says that to her in that episode that, you know, you can spend the rest of your life with me, but I can't spend the rest of my life with you. Yeah. Um, and ever since that moment, you know, every, everything he does with her seems a little extra precious, or at least I take it as a little extra precious, because uh, it's like, it's almost like he's absorbing uh, every second that he can with her, knowing that, you know, for him, for her, those seconds are finite.
1: Mm mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly uh what was another thing oh uh at the very beginning there's the concert posters of that shane ward is who it says and i looked it up because mm-hmm. i was like you know she's looking a little too closely at that and it makes her realize kind of what time frame they're in and the reason why is because just when this had been filmed he had just won the x factor in britain so that is a real uh. person. That is a real person. He had just won the X Factor, and um, that's why she knew when she saw his concert posters, oh, well, now he's a big-time, you know, musician that everybody knows, apparently, so we can't be that far Uh, ahead in the future. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's cool. That's a nice little pull.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought so, too. And, of course, you know, if you were British, you'd probably catch on to that right away, right? Just like we we would catch an American Idol or, you know. Um, Well,
0: some people would. I'm I'm a little (laughs) obtuse when it comes to that.
1: Fair, fair and valid. Fair and valid.
0: (laughs) You know, every every season I watch The Masked Singer, and they're like, "We've got all these celebrities," and then they unmask them, and I go, "Who? Who is that?"
1: (laughs) Right. Totally. Why, why
0: Why are they considered a celebrity
1: celebrity with quotes around it air quotes around right. it right.
0: <laughs> yeah. right like the guy takes up he's like oh it's the tiktok doctor and i'm like i have no idea what that means
1: right <laughs> right exactly
0: I had to look it up after the, the, the episode so you know yeah. starting to get old but uh yep. yeah yeah the, the i something as big as that you know being a pop culture reference like that uh even in passing, uh, I'm sure that was uh, that was a nice little. Mm-hmm. Uh, d- 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 is is that particular individual like? D- did he live up to the prophecy of uh, Russell Davies?
1: Well, my understanding is that he, mm. by the time um, 2012 actually came around, he actually was more known for his acting. So he started off singing, but uh. he apparently was in a show that he was he became really well known for being an actor, and so uh, sort of just in a different genre.
0: Because uh, Russell seems to really have a pulse yeah, on definitely. what is going to happen in the future.
1: Yeah, he's got his own TARDIS. I'm convinced.
0: I He has to. I mean, there's so many things that you're like, how did you know that this was going to happen? right? How did you know, like the 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 cybermen the rise of cybermen and age of steel episode where they have the the ear pods
1: yes isn't that crazy (laughs) you know
0: everybody's got ear pods and they get their news from it and it's a status symbol and and you're like
1: they look like air pods too like it's it's crazy yeah that's a good one
0: You know, you're like, where, how did you get this? Like, or, or is it the opposite? Like, are, are people in, you know, Cupertino watching this going, you know what, it'd be a good idea if we created those earpod right. things.
1: Right. <laughs> Which came first. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Like,
0: I mean, we, we know Star Trek made the communicator and then the Motorola people were like, we're going to make our phone look exactly like that. Yes for sure so you know maybe that's what it is like he he didn't so much uh see the future as he uh, influenced the future yeah
1: exactly he told us what the future needed to be
0: right yeah <laughs> well i definitely enjoy living in in russell t davis's future <laughs> because it, it is so much fun to watch these episodes going man that guy he's Good on you, sir. Good on you. I hope he's a knight. And if he isn't, we should campaign for it. (laughs) Sir Russell T. Davies. Yeah,
1: I don't know. Not that I know of, but, you know, there's always time.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, he can walk around his, uh, his front yard and he'll eventually get knighted.
1: Right, right.
0: Uh, Excellent Well thank you so much for joining me For yet another uh, super fun episode Uh, We we gotta get you back more frequently We can't have you just one episode a series So you know for series three (laughs) We're gonna have to get you for at least two episodes All right. You know there's only 13 of them
1: That's true Well you just let me know which ones And I am there
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much. And thank you, dear listener, for making it to the end of yet another podcast. I appreciate your support by listening. Uh, and if you want to help out, go to uh, firsttimelord.com and uh, check out our previous episodes uh, or better yet share it with a friend if you know somebody that likes doctor who or like me should watch doctor who share this episodes along and uh, let's pass the joy of doctor who around and put more uh, fun and happiness into the world Uh, so thank you so much for all your support and uh, i guess there's no time left but to jump into my tardis and watch more doctor who